This episode brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do. Come on! People know where things are, and you get to stay on top of everything all the time. Yeah! Yeah! All right, everybody, settle down. Right. Settle down. Simmer. Simmer, you kids. My name is Tipper Sniffsit. You can call me Tip. Or just Counselor. And I'm Counselor Shinkstank. And you can call me Sir. That's right. This man has been working these woods for over 43 years. Over so do you think he knows what he's talking about? Yes, I know what I'm talking about, you little sh. I'd say he knows what he's talking about, you little shit. So why don't you guys uh, close your mouths and open your ears, all right? We're going to go over some basic survival techniques for the woods. That's why your parents shipped you out here. It's what we're here to tell you, okay? I can't have anyone die on my watch, and I haven't yet this year. Most of you were sent because you're too fat. But you're going to learn to survive here, too. Or my name's not Shinkstank. You keep your mouths <laughs> shut. And your ears open and do what we say and you'll come out of here with dozens of merit badges which signify your knowledge of the outdoors. Now I'm sure all of you have heard all the legends, myths, folk tales, night terrors, campfire stories, and completely legitimate media coverage of the murderous nature of these woods. Has anyone not understood that? All right, good. So you guys know what we're up against here. First thing you need to know, if you want to make it through this summer camp, shank stank. What's rule number one? Don't have any damn sex. That's right. Nothing is going to draw a predator, and by predator, I mean psychopathic killer, return generational curse, phantasm, ghost, or fisherman that got hit by teenagers to you faster than sexual activity. Now you quit your giggling. Sexual maturity starts a lot sooner than you think it does in the woods. Out in the real world, you can blame Why, the hormones. I kissed in the a mi- girl when I was eight years old, and she had my first son two years later. What can, her what name starts- was Dolores, <laughs> and she had the bosoms of a goddess. That's right, kids. What starts out as a wet nap could end up as a dirt nap. So keep it in your pants. Keep your heads on a swivel. That's the most important rule. I'll tell you what, a third of you will probably die because you try to hook up. Rule number two, stay together, damn it. Why on earth do you guys keep wanting to break up or go investigate things on your own? Stay in a group. Another thing, it's real hard to go under the shirt and over the pants in a whole group of people. Again, it just helps you with rule number one. Stay together, everybody. And I know what you're thinking. If we're all just huddled together in one giant terrified group, not touching each other's jennies, then how the heck are we going to get our merit badges? <laughs> well, we got that sorted, don't we, Shinkstank? Yes. All right, at some point over the summer, you will inevitably be placed in a situation where your life is at risk. Now, there's a couple of ways you can turn what would normally be a mortal run for your very life into an opportunity to not only learn about the world around you, but also to earn a couple of these merit badges. For example, you're running through the woods. You've just seen someone brutally hacked to death by a man wielding a machete, even though why on earth would anyone have a machete in the main woods? Am I right? Anyway, 
you're going to come across an old abandoned farmhouse that's filled with pitchforks, bear traps, razor wire, chainsaws, old hatchets, new hatchets. Now you can either keep running in the woods like an idiot or you have the opportunity through the power of montage tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., right after breakfast, montage class. You can turn that into a fortified death trap for whatever's chasing you. Shinkstink, what kind of what kind of badges can they get out of that? Well, you can get your carpentry badge, your metalworking badge, your forging badge, your rust removal badge, your farm implement handling badge, your rusty door oiling badge, your bear trap bear inducing bearing load badge, your wall removal and construction badge. Now, the bear trap bear inducing bear badge is one of the toughest ones to get. And if you get the opportunity, jump on it. Because at the end of the week, at the great big jamboree, we're going to see who's got the most. And the bear inducing bear damaged bear badge, it's worth like four badges. It's worth four badges. It's a hard one to get on every level. Now, so far, we've been hitting you with a lot of information. Any questions? Any questions at all? Are we able to get, if we run into a, a pyrokinetic entity, are, are we able to get our fire-making badge from that? Uh, boy, I'm, this, is, this is tough. Uh, now first of all, let me commend you on your fear of a pyrokinetic entity, because that has absolutely happened in, this, in these woods before. Uh, no. You will not get your fire-making badge simply by leading a pyrokinetic entity on a, on a merry old trace, higgledy-piggledy, all the way through this entirely dry and drought-ridden forest. That's like, that's like asking if you can get your swim badge from rubbing from a tsunami. No, you cannot. One time Dolores and I played higgledy-piggledy, I could not get her bra unclasped for the life of me. Oh, right. I don't know how you're alive. I gotta be honest, because... It sounds like you've been violating rule one with Dolores for a long time. You in the back with the green shirt. You have a question? Like, what if it turns out it's just a big plot twist and, like, you guys are trying to kill us, man? Like, what are we supposed to do in that case? All right. Okay. There we go. Right there. There's our next rule right there. You do drugs, you're as good as dead, everybody. The minute you start touching Mary Jane, you're, you're going in the ground just the same. That'd be ridiculous. How on earth would we be the ones responsible for killing all you? All we have is a perfect encyclopedic knowledge of these woods and an endless supply of children being sent by their uncaring parents to see us. All right, kids, I think that's just about everything. Why don't you get off to bed? I- <laughs> Shit, stay! Oops. Now get to bed, you little shits. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hello. Allow me to present to you Mr. With a Mrs. David Flora. (laughs) (laughs) And allow me to present to you Mr. Bestman. (laughs) David Stecco. Who is that David Bestman over there? And allow us to present to you the first week of Blurry Photober! <laughs>
Oh, f- yeah. Yes. And how, dear listeners, are you doing on this most terrifying month of the year? The month has started well. Yeah. You kicked it off with a bang, with a real big bang. I, I banged the, the month right at the, right, right at the top of it. <laughs> banged it hard. And then uh, yeah. weather, weather's been nice so far. Yeah, you, you just up and got married. Which is glorious, and I'm impressed. I did. I I got officially hitched. Lots of stories. Lots of lots of great stories coming out of it. Great pictures. Wearing, still going you, through the pictures. You wearing your ring? You wearing your ring? You wearing your ring? You know it. Oh, there it is. is I it have weird? to. It is weird. It's very weird. I'm not a jewelry man. Yeah. So it's it's that's a weird. weird. Thing. I mean, oh, I, and anyone who's seen pictures of the wedding know that you prefer a very understated and subtle style. So a ring must be just unmanageable but you mean because <laughs> Flora just gave me the dead eyes <laughs> i knew what he was doing yeah the wedding was a blast i had a great time how was it being uh the best man how was it well from your mostly perspective? it was pretty easy you know just mostly making sure that uh, you had everything you needed and and i'll say this the day of the wedding seemed to go real smooth yeah yeah bumps during the wedding and such yeah. but handled yeah Thought thought we lost a wedding ring for a while. Yep, figured figured it out. <laughs> so no, I th- I thought it was a great time. I thought it all worked out real well. You fun. and Annie looked adorable. It, it was well received, and we yeah. you know we didn't do the traditional dealio. We kind of did a little little bit of what we have been doing uh, since we moved to Chicago, which is like parts whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, mostly whatever we want. Yeah, whatever the fuck we please. That's what we did. So yeah, people laughed, people cried, people fell in love. So yeah, do who uh, top of your head who cried? Do you know anybody who cried during the wedding? No, uh, there were dogs. <laughs> there was uh, a dragon. There was um, a dragon, a big ass dragon, eleven feet wide, nine feet tall. Yep, there were swords. There were swords. There Pizza, was uh, cake. There was there was a gooch. The gooch was there. Was Dark Mark. Gooch. It was a good time. Yeah, good it was time. a great time. I'll try and find yeah, some it was pictures awesome. of us, and I'll, I'll see if I can put them on the old Facebook or something. Yeah. But post them up. But that's what uh, that's what's been going on. That's how the month has has kicked off, and I'm excited. I think we've got a good lineup for the month. Oh yeah, and we're we're gonna start with uh, a pretty fun one. I think. Yeah. Hope you put your uh, put your hiking boots on. Slap some uh, deep woods off on all exposed areas because we're we're going into the haunted forest. It's like a owl falling down the steps. <laughs> I thought it was a machine gun owl. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cover some haunted forests throughout the world. Yep. It's a it's a fun one along the same vein as the international haunts and pancakes. Yeah, we're just gonna gonna name a few off. We actually came up with a list and we pared that list down. Yeah, and in some cases the list pared itself down. Yeah, because without having been to every place in the world and knowing all this stuff, you kind of rely on the internet for helping you find uh, good lists for things. And most of those lists are pretty similar. It seems like. Yeah. So. We we tried to go in and find some different ones that aren't out posted everywhere, and I hope we can uh, tell you all about uh, some ones that are at the top of the list and some ones that aren't even on the list. So yeah, yeah, that's what we do. 
So uh, let's let's get started here. Now we we cover a lot of topics of fanciful or made up or mistaken sights and objects and creatures that end up being manufactured fear. But as long as mankind has been traipsing the earth, real fear has been born of nature itself. Danger and fear go hand in hand with features of the landscape, such as caves, the open sea, deserts, but perhaps none so rich in story material for fear and danger as forests. You can find a forest just about anywhere you go on earth, save the extreme locations. And there has always been something to be said about the mysteriousness of a place where nature is truly running wild with Bear grills, Often dark, sometimes dense, and most definitely alive with a life force all its own, a forest can be as awe-inspiring as it is terrifying. Couple that with unique flora and fauna, unexplained activity, or a history of death, and you have a truly chilling setting for some great paranormal mystery. Now we're going to go through a list of the world's eeriest and most sinister forests. And it's going to be a fun episode. It's not so much on the, the debunking train, so don't get all butthurt when we don't yeah. tell you how everything's fake. I mean, right, Dave? May- maybe. Maybe. Listen, sometimes it happens. Sometimes. <laughs> now go to bed, you little shits. <laughs> you little shits. All righty. How, uh, how about we go on and just jump into the forest here? Yeah. Let's just start tromping I'm, in there. Tromp, tromp, tromp. I'm going to start with the Alkigara Forest in Japan. Located at the northwest base of Mount Fuji in Japan, Alkigara Forest is a beautiful blanket of vibrant green trees growing from the ashes of an eruption that happened in 864 CE. The location was named Alkigara but was called Jukai, or Sea of Trees, owing to its vastness and smooth canopy as seen from the mountain. It is now known by another name, this one a bit more foreboding, the Suicide Forest. Boogity boogity. Every year, dozens of people make their way into the forest and don't make their way out, usually by choice. Hanging seems to be the most popular way to end one's life there. The forest itself has a beautiful eeriness about it, with twisted, turning trees, winding and stretching roots, and rocky, cave-pocked ground. Perhaps the most unnerving aspect, however, is the feeling of isolation created from the stillness. The trees are too tightly packed for winds to permeate, and wildlife is sparse. It creates a silent, green void of emptiness. Except for the green. Except for the green. I mean, it's void of emptiness except for the green. It's void of sound. (laughs) (laughs) You might have seen this or heard about this. This is one of the more uh, well-known on the list, I think. Yeah, I think people have heard of, I I guess even in the loosest terms of like the, the Japanese suicide forest. Folks say the forest has been associated with death since the 19th century. Ubasute was an old Japanese custom where an elderly relative was carried to a remote place like a mountain or a forest and left there to die. It translates roughly to abandoning the old woman. It wasn't common, only a last resort in desperate times of famine, where a family would lessen the amount of mouths to feed by leading an elderly relative to a mountain or similarly remote and rough environment to die, 
not by means of suicide, but by dehydration, starvation, or exposure. You know, the easy and, and painless <laughs> ways to go. Right? Ugh. Some insist that this was not a real occurrence, though, just grim folklore. Yeah. <laughs> I say it happened. I believe it too. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that it was by any means just a Japanese phenomenon. I think that I'm sure that every group of people who faced starvation had to make those tough calls. Yeah. Of course, with Japanese culture, there is something to be said about seppuku, which was more of a samurai tradition. Yeah, that's an honor death. I feel like that lives in, even, I mean, although it's still death, I think that lives in a whole different realm. It does, but I, I think I think there's some kind of connection that people had with taking one's own life as in taking responsibility. Uh, and it was honorable to to do that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but here's the thing. The The reason why I, I, I don't think this fits in that, because the way it's described here is it's it's abandoning the old woman. It's it's not the old woman separates herself. Oh. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm connecting too early then, because, uh, yeah, U- Ubasute is... It doesn't sound like uh, anyone asked. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... I'm thinking of the suicide already. That um, oh yeah, not this. You're you're right. But I, I'm, I might get back to that in, in a minute. Uh, oh, might you? Might you? <laughs> I, I may. You little shit. Um, <laughs> it's believed that the forest is haunted by the yurei, the angry spirits of those who were left there to die. I would definitely be uh, uh, pissed if that happened right? to me. Spiritualists say the trees are also filled with evil energy that has accumulated from all the suicides. Folklore claims they are vengeful, dedicated to tormenting visitors and luring those that are sad and lost off the path. The area is rich in iron, so compasses and cell phones are useless. Ribbons are sometimes tied to trees to mark the way for search volunteers to find their way back or if someone has a change of heart. Now, some say that frustrated or depressed people who want to die are mysteriously drawn to Alkigara Forest by a supernatural force. The force signals them to come. Some of them who were saved have reported that they had a vague feeling of being pulled towards the forest, like someone was compelling them to come and end their journey there. Ugh. Yeah. There are security cameras now at the entrance of the forest and increased police patrols. And suicide counselors and police have also posted signs on various paths throughout the forest, which read, Your life is a precious gift from your parents. Think about your children and about your family. Please consult the police before you decide to die. (laughs) I like that last part the most. Please consult the police before deciding to die. (laughs) Uh, but that that's what I'm talking about. The the suicide, the choosing to die, ha- has been tied to the tradition of seppuku. Yeah. In that, you know, some someone maybe thinks that doing so would better their family or, or better, you know, something else. And, and I, they're taking responsibility for it. I I still don't... I don't know. I, um, I don't think that these are linked at all. And I'll, and I'll tell you, in my... With, in my completely ignorant vacuum of having looked into it at all, is that the 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 whole thing with a with an honor death with a, a seppuku is 
is that you are atoning for a very direct sin by enduring an inordinate amount of pain right before your best friend cuts your head off. I feel like this is just, I don't want to say just, but this is just a means of, you know, it's a place to die for people who already wanted to die. I don't feel like, and I'm sure on an individual basis, these people are, you know, oh, this thing happened and I'm not, you know, like all the reasons that people have to die. I don't feel like this comes, I don't feel like the people who come to the forest are are looking for some sort of um, honorable death. I don't feel like this is, I don't feel like the two really equate very well, aside from the fact that they're both happening in Japan. I would say that a small percentage probably would. Yeah. In their own heads. I mean, Right. And I would say that that same percentage probably exists in Germany or, you know, there are people who are dying to try to balance something in their minds. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a personal opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what is the German term for that? Well, that, no, I, I just mean like anywhere. I, I, I don't think it matters where, uh, where a person is, if a person feels suicidal, I'm sure there is that that percentage of people who think, "Oh no, I deserve to die." You know, this is this is the only way to to balance the books and to to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like the, the, as as far as varieties of reasons that a suicidal person has to take their own lives. Mm-hmm. Toten Totenkampf. Toot mir lead. What? I'm trying to think of the German term for it. Yeah. I don't know. Is there a German word for it? Ich, ich mech the Toten. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm trying. I don't know. I'm just being dumb right now. I hope our German listeners are getting a kick out of this, though. Right. So that that is the Alkigara Forest for you. Would you visit it? Yeah, I would. I am. I very well may. I've got a friend who lives in Tokyo. I don't know how far those two are. I don't think they're very close to each other. I don't Mount think Fuji in same, Tokyo. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, but I, I would visit it. It looks like a beautiful place. It is. Yeah. Lo- just don't wander off the path too much. Cause a, you, you might not get back and B, you might stumble upon some bones now. Yeah. And I've, I mean, there is God, I wouldn't want to find any of those things. <laughs> yeah. I will stay on the path. That's my promise. Good. Good call. What do you got? So I've got one here for a place called Dudley town, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Which is, which has got like a, it's kind of like a weird confluence of a few different things. Uh, sometimes uh, referred to as the village of the damned. It's it's a non it's a non place. Oh, so it's an Indian. Oh, I get it. Yes, it's made entirely of delicious bread. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, it is. Uh, it it was a very small uh, settlement that was kind of uh, outside of Cornwall, Connecticut in the late 16th century, um, but was then later on abandoned. And uh, you can still find old walls and things like that there, but there's no more standing structures. And the the reasons for the abandonment are what really kind of make the area. As the story goes, the founders of Dudley Town were descended from a guy named Edmund Dudley, who was a nobleman back in Engeland and pissed off Charles VII. Uh, to the to the to the degree of having his head cut off for treason, um, and so from that moment forth, the Dudley family was placed under a curse. And even when they came over to the United States and established this whole uh, little little settlement, um, that they remained so, and that 
uh, people would die or go insane or disappear or kill themselves. And uh, in, some, in, in some versions of the story had visions of demons. The thing is, is that this Dudley town was, it was situated on top of a hill. Um, and the farming wasn't very good there. The real reason that we became uh, sparsely populated and eventually it left altogether is that it was just a bad place to farm. And at the time, they were there was a, a huge amount of work that had to go into clearing land. And as soon as better land became available, they were all like, "Boop, <laughs> we're out." Um, as a matter of fact, you uh, even the the story of Edmund Dudley doesn't match up. Um, and even the uh, local historians have gone back into the records and found that even the people named Dudley are not related to each other in some cases. That there was a couple. I mean, it's not the rarest English name. Yeah. So, so they would they just called them Dudleys? Yeah, some of the well, they were all Dudleys in name, but they weren't necessarily of the same family of Dudleys. Oh, I got you. Okay. And there was, and so the the woods around it um, were pretty thick, uh, and. Over time, you know, these, these stories of, get kind of conflagrated, and now these woods are super haunted. And um, even to the point that uh, one of the things that drew a lot of attention to it is Dan Aykroyd, back in the 90s when he was doing a lot of paranormal stuff, had said that it's one of the most haunted places in America. Now, things kind of take an even more fun and weird and sinister turn in that in the early 20th century, uh, a group of people started buying up that whole region of forest and the group was called the dark entry forest association (laughs) which is a pretty great name for like a sinister shadow group of people and this dark entry group has (laughs) ever since then very closely uh protected the woods they will not let people in if you even drive up there and park your car, you're going to get a ticket. There are people who just call the cops right away, um, and they don't let anyone mess around in the woods or camp or anything. They It used to be a little more open, but then they started citing problems like people leaving trash in the woods, and, and so they, they're very, very protective of it and will not allow people in, which, as you can imagine, instantly opens up uh, a whole lot of conspiracy theorists. Why, are, why won't they let people in? What are they hiding? And... Uh, what it comes down to is this dark, uh, dark entry forest association was actually a bunch, of, was a bunch of doctors and nurses, who wanted an escape from New York. They wanted uh, a palatial, pristine expanse to unwind in, and so they all, way back in the twenties, bought all this land up, created the dark, uh, dark entry forest association. And even now, the people who are protecting it so uh, assiduously are their descendants. They're the people who have inherited all this land. Huh. They just don't want a bunch a bunch of assholes running through their woods at night. Yeah, well, it's it's sense. just it's functionally a very large, very wooded, gated community. But it, I mean, because it's called the you know, I don't why, oh God, they decided to go with the Dark Entry Forest Association. <laughs> And then based on the, the previous, you know, the Dudley town of stories and everything. So this forest gets a ton of press for goings on and, and sightings and things like that. But, uh, yeah. Remember when we said we weren't going to debunk anything? You were just speaking for yourself, Flora. Oh, I want it to be true. Oh, my God, Derek, true. There, 
there is a really fun story that I read uh, in the Washington Post about it. Um, the, the story is called The Demons of Dark Entry Forest. And it is about uh, two brothers who it's just, wanted just to... Just about two brothers. It's just, it's just, it's two brothers. And look out, because yeah. that, that... Then that there's a meteor. Is... <laughs> and the cat people. Kid. And then about oh, your grandma. <laughs> It's called Dark this, Entry, Dudley Town, with uh, Meteor, just, just, Old Woman. It's just called Two Brothers. It's just called Two Brothers. These two guys, both of which worked in the West Coast in L.A. and were very involved in Hollywood, one of which I guess was like the head of Paramount for a while, Gee. and then got out of the sinful tinsel town and devoted his life to Jesus. Uh, his brother got, also got out of tinsel town, decided not quite to devote his life to Jesus, but they had both grown up hearing all these stories about the woods and they both were like, well, there should be a movie about this. And so they rented a cabin right at the edge of the woods and they got a bunch of writers and put them in the house. And within a week, all of the writers had fled the house (laughs) because they started fighting with each other over how the movie would go. The, the, the very born again, Christian brother wanted it to be a, uh, uh, overcoming demonic evil through the power of the Lord. And the other guy was like, uh, topless girls getting their throats cut. Uh, there was, and, and the reason that all the writers just sat there just watching the two producers fight and they would be like, there should be a character who does this. And then, then, then an hour later, like, oh, now get rid of that character. And they're like, just tell us what you want and then we'll start writing. And the whole thing fell apart. It's kind of a funny story. And the way that the, the story is written is to be like, oh, they it, with after a week, they all fled. And then it's kind of like, well, haha, idiots. <laughs> this is what happened. It's a funny story. Huh. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's uh, uh, I don't know. It, the long and short of it is, is it's one of those places that's got a lot of, you'll, you'll see things on and about, you know, above top secret and, and paranormal sites and things like that, but it's it's got a, a pretty pretty down to earth. It's not like uh there's a lot of like real spooky stuff. It's just stories and things like that. You know the even even the people who's who still live in the area named Dudley. They're like so wait you're saying like the wait you're saying that in over three hundred years you've got like seven people who died under circumstances you would call less than ideal. Man, Man. that's one weak ass curse. <laughs> I feel like this place was mentioned in our uh, International Haunts uh, episode, although I can't remember exactly. It could have been. Or maybe we, maybe it was one of the ones we looked at and didn't go to or something. But it, it yeah. sounds real familiar. Real familiar. Wow. Hmm. Alrighty. Alrighty. Heading over to jolly old England, eh? All right, let's go over to jolly old England. Going to talk about the Epping Forest. Yeah, not the Epping Forest. Nope. That's a different episode. That's blurry photos after dark. This is the Epping. Epping is a boy's name. Located between <laughs> northeast London and Essex. Epping Forest is a large ancient forest used by royalty and peasants alike throughout the ages. Besides the intimidating size and density of the forest, it was also feared as a hot spot for criminal activity. Spirits of those murdered by thieves and soldiers from ancient battles are said to wander through the woods. 
It's thought to have been used as an army base by the tribal queen Boudicca, and this has led a number of people to think that the spirits and memories of dead soldiers have been left in the area. There have also been reports of muffled sounds of drums and marching emanating from the forest, and some people believe this is caused by the spirits of dead soldiers as well. <laughs> in the 1960s, there were sightings of ghostly figures emerging from a pond near Lindsay Street in Epping, near Fartleshire upon Strapping Cock. <laughs> Spence Thithy upon Dubinsvale Shire Shropbury. Dubinsvale Shire Shrop. Shrop Stingsbury. Shrop Shroppings. The figures were said to emerge from the pond on horseback before riding towards town and disappearing. Another pond at an unknown location deep in the woods is said to draw people to commit suicide in its murky waters. After two young lovers died in a tragic murder-suicide at the pond 300 years ago. I just feel like if, if, if every time someone died tragically, if that created like a suicide vortex, that, that <laughs> what's left? Yeah. What are we even doing with ourselves? The show Most Haunted aired a show. Um, it's a British show. I believe it's called Most Haunted. Most Haunted. <laughs> aired an episode in 2003 where the crew went searching for the infamous highwayman Dick Turpin. Uh, dirty. He was... Oh, Dicky Sniffs. He was Dirty Dick Turpin. Dirty he dick. was the most underhanded of all. <laughs> Bit of a snatch and grab man. <laughs> <laughs> Turpin used the forest as a base, thieving and murdering there. He was caught and hanged in York in 1739. The crew was supposedly lured off track by his spirit during filming. <laughs> oh. Oh. Another oddity of the woods is Hangman's Hill, where cars appeal to roll uphill. Oh, I've seen videos of this. Oh, have you? Yeah. As you reach the top and look straight ahead, you will see a bare field with a single tree in it. That's got a stone in a fence that has no earthly reason to be there. Once you find that stone, you'll find all my money and a card for Zewatanea so you can get <laughs> busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, bare field with a single tree in it, which is apparently where a man was hanged. Legend says you are being pulled up the hill by the hangman. In reality, it's most likely an optical illusion, but some swear it's not, like this wanker. If you get the correct hill, eh? It's got a big oak tree at the top, which branch spreads across the road, and there's a ditch with a 30-mile-per-hour sign with graffiti on it stuck in the ground. And it is freaky, because I've been there a few times, right? And me and me mate, we got out of the car and we actually watched our car roll up the hill towards the tree, right? Then it rolls back down again, eh? We even tasted it with a ball. And it stood by the tree at the top and the ball rolled down so it does go up the hill. It's freaky. The ball's going up, isn't it? And that. And that. And that. And that. And that. 
the video just cuts back to earlier and just goes slow motion. <laughs> the ball goes up the hill. I. That's how you make it spooky. <laughs> just slower and slower. <laughs> You know when you slow the de- the video down so much, you get that like sound, like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so Dave, you looked up a video of this. Yeah, it's like a forced perspective thing when you with the way you hold the cameras, it looks like it's rolling uphill, and I'm sure to the people there, it appears to yeah, be rolling to the uphill. knobs there because that's what they are, right? They're right it's knobs. A- now, what I'm much more, uh, what I'm much more interested in seeing is the like, when they say it rolls up the hill, then it rolls back down. That was uh, that's a hell of a claim to make. And all the videos that I've seen of this, and there are a few on there, you can just look them up. It's it's a one way deal. It just goes in one direction. Then they're all like, "Oh, fucking right, <laughs> sod off, wanker, <laughs> slag off, one direction." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah so it's uh, uh, well, if you if you see it you won't so, be as impressed so far blurry photos one gobshites zero i'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you mate i'll oh, have you all right i'll do you for that all right dave what do you got how about this one the island of the dolls isla de las muñecas see si. located in the canals of Xochimilco? Yeah. Yeah. Xochimilco. In Mexico City, it is a uh, a small island that is festooned with terrifying dolls. <laughs> now hang on, Dave. I thought this was haunted forest, not haunted islands. Yeah, it's 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 about uh, two hours outside of... Uh, I'm sorry, I said it was in Mexico City. It's about two hours outside of Mexican, uh, Mexico City. And it's... This weird, I don't know, at this point, I feel like maybe a little tourist attraction-y, but it's got a pretty good story. Uh, Now, the island was originally owned by a guy named Don Julian Santana, or Don Luke, however you like it. And as the the story goes, a young woman died uh, by this little island and was found by Santana. And not too far from her was this doll. And then shortly thereafter, he began to... He began to hear her cries. He began to have uh, hallucinations or visions. He would see things. And he decided the best way to fix this was to give her her doll back, which is to say to hang dolls off of things. So Because he thought that his, his belief was that she was searching for her doll. And so he started hanging dolls off of everything, everything he'd get his hands on. And over time... Uh, this became kind of a known thing, and it just and then as more people became aware of it, they also started hanging dolls there, and so people would would visit this creepy as hell island. They'd add their dolls. Then over time, that idea becomes well, actually, this island is kind of helping everybody. It's sort of a gigantic bad spirit uh, repulsor ray. If we can just keep hanging dolls on this island. It, it's going to help me when I go home. Um, and then people started hanging other ideas onto it. Um, oh, this is uh, this is going to help me with my farming. This is going to help me at the home. This is going to help me in business. It was like a, a pilgrimage sort of thing. Mm. Um, I mean, not terribly dissimilar from what we talked about with the narco saints. Yeah. Like a thing happens and then people start attaching significance to it over time. And they're hanging these on all the trees 
that are growing on the island. That's the because it's kind of like a little floating yeah. garden. These things are hanging from branches, and it's just like severed limbs and decapitated heads and blank eyes, black, like a doll's eyes. Doll's eyes. Because they yeah, are, and it's super creepy. Doll's eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes perfect sense. Uh, the only way to get there is through with a uh, flat bottom boat. Flat bottom boat, you get me to the doll island. Hang up your dolls and cry. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go with a, a queen there. Okay, I was like, I don't know where you were. God, did I just did I just hit like a uh, Barney Five? Well, I don't know where I you were know about you that. Were, but <laughs> Otis is in jail. Last time I went around there. <laughs> Andy. Okay. All right. Andy, I only need one bullet on account of being such a good shot. <laughs> Eventually, Don Julian dies. Uh, Don Julian dies. And, how did he die? Um, oh, did you mean how he died in the same place that he supposedly found the girl? Uh, wink, 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 wink. Como, como, como? <laughs> como? You can still go there and visit it. Uh, apparently... Uh, according to the internet, there are some people who will not take you there because they're spooked out by the island. Those people are called totally rational people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's supposed to be haunted to this day with the, the, the spirit of the dead girl. Legend says that the dolls move their heads and arms and even open their eyes. And some witnesses claim they had heard the dolls whispering to each other. While others who were on a boat near the island said the dolls lured them to come down to the island. And and the dolls waved at them and they saw the dolls. Ah, uh, no thank you. But I mean, really. At the auction house for a while we had this. It was a child's uh, sized clothes-like form. So it was oh. like a torso with legs but with no head or arms that you would use for a seamstress to like make children's clothes. And... <laughs> It was just creepy already, but I, I called him Jasper Clapstitch. And I said, yeah, at night, he just books it through this place. But he runs into everything, just little feet pumping as hard as he can. Jasper Clapstitch, hauling ass through this place. <laughs> can't say nothing, can't see nothing. And if he falls over, it's really hard for him to get back up. But You, you should have come up with a little rhyme. <laughs> I just really always loved the name Jasper Clapstitch. I feel like I may have even used it in other episodes of Blurry Photos. <laughs> Jasper Clapstitch runs through the night. Jasper Clapstitch, give me such a fright. <laughs> got no head, ain't got no hands. Makes the kids fancy pants. Clapstitch, Clapstitch, one, two, three. Clapstitch, Clapstitch, you and me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's like a a really dark double dutch thing. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, that that's that there's the uh the island of the dolls in Espanol. Isla de las Muñecas. Gracias. <laughs> all right. From Mexico all the way up to Scotland. Scotland. I to talk about the Rothemarcus forest. Oh, that sounds like quite a place. This was mentioned tangentially in the old uh, Bane McDoo episode, The Greyman. Yeah. That we did. Greyman. Uh, this dark wood in Inverness Shire, Scotland, is home to the grave of the chief of Clan Shaw. 
whose spirit is said to challenge those who stray too deep into the forest. Yeah. I have gone too deep, Adi. Turn around or face me. It's your choice, <laughs> you wee <laughs> 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 um, If you accept the challenge, the legend goes, the spirit will leave you be. But if you're cowardly and you run... You'll never be seen or heard from again. Ever. His burial site lies close to the Kirk of the Dune of Rathemarcus, and five cylindrical stones have been placed on top of the grave. Tradition says that anyone who dares to tamper with these stones will suffer the wrath of the clan's guardian spirit, a familiar called Bodachan Dune, which is the goblin of the Dune. In early 19th century, a man stole the center stone from Seth Moore's grave, which is the chief, and threw it into the river Spey. The following morning, the stone was found back in its place, and its thief was found floating dead in the river. More recently, a wrought iron cage has been placed over the grave to keep others from making the same mistake. Good. Uh, several people report having been chased by an invisible entity that felt semi-human, but could be heard pounding along on hooves. <laughs> All the witnesses reported feeling extreme terror. An entity known as the Dune also haunts the area, appearing to mark a tragedy in the Grant family that once owned the land. So these are just spirits that are f***ing tired of the living around in their forest. It's our land. Get off it. <laughs> it's our land. Didn't be touching my stones, you wicks. Get f***ed Rather Marcus Forest. I like that one, though. It, it's very cool. Yeah. I like that uh, you get Scot challenged. It has, yeah, it's a very Scottish sensibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get challenged, and if you're not a wee puss, you'll be fine. Yeah. All you gotta do is stand up. You don't even have to fight anything. You just say, yeah, I, I accept. And it's like, oh, all right, then. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Dinner disturb my grave and you can go do, have yourself a wee picnic. <laughs> oh, hey, that's beautiful. Yeah, do whatever you want. Get well past right here. Right? No, no one cares. Hey, <laughs> hey, enjoy yourself. It's a fine day. <laughs> don't oh. trip over my cairn. <laughs> Rothy Marcus Forrest. All right, that's a short one. What 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 do you got? How about a a, a really pleasant place for children to hang around? Uh, you know, the kind of place that you just want to take a nap. The Devil's Tramping Ground. <laughs> the Devil's Tramping Ground, Bear Creek, North Carolina. Look out! Don't, Don't get tramped. Devil gonna tramp. <laughs> devil come tramping. De devil come a tramping. Devil gonna tramp you. <laughs> Uh, so it is a, uh, the, the devil's tramping ground is, like I said, Bear Creek, North Carolina, and it is a very, uh, well-known, especially to local folklore place. It's a, a popular visiting spot. Lots of people go there. It's a forest clearing that legend has, uh, going all the way back to the beginning of the 20th century and even a little bit before then, that, that it was a clearing that the devil would pace around this, uh, in a ring thinking of ways to, to vex and trouble mankind. Um, and that anyone who, who went there at night or tried to stay the night would either go crazy or be scared away by what they saw. 
and that it is the the place where the devil can rise up from hell to walk the earth to to bedevil or vex mankind. What do you think? You into it? You into it? Yeah. I like these places that it's like, it's a weird feature. Let me think of how the devil could have done it. Right. <laughs> a lot of it is like uh, the the devil, uh, yeah, like this, walked around in a circle. And, and so there's an area of, it's like a dead zone. And it's not, it's not totally dead. You can pull up pictures oh, yeah. of it from hell to breakfast. Because a lot of people, it is a popular place to go. A lot of people go there and camp. Um, everyone, you know, wants to try spending the night at the devil's tramping ground. Um, one of the biggest problems they have is much like the, uh, the dark entry forest. <laughs> there it is. Uh, garbage, litter, people just leaving stuff around there uh, and, and generally effing the place up, not treating it not well. So, Dave, um, yeah. who's the devil now? Oh, We were the devil all along. That's right, and there we are, tramping around. Mankind. So at this point, it's it's just a clearing. Uh, there is a lot, you know, people do stupid shit like carving upside down crosses into the trees around it. Um, but there, I've looked up a fair number. I mean, there's there's Reddit threads devoted to this place. Um, lots of people kind of tell their story about camping there overnight. Uh, one of them, the guy was saying everything seemed pretty normal. We had a fire. There's a number of different fire pits around there. We made a fire. And eventually it went out, but because of the popularity of the place, they're like, well, we didn't really bring much with us, so we didn't have more, you know, wood to burn, and the whole area was pretty picked over in that regard. And just as we were going to bed, we had zipped up the tent, and we saw that the fire had flared back up, and they unzipped the tent, and they look out there, and sure enough, it had for a few minutes, and then it went back out again. <laughs> and that was that was their scary story. Yeah, um, yeah you know, and the, like most of them, they were like, oh, I saw shadows in the woods. Um, you know, very nebulous. Just It's just a spook place where people go yeah, to get freaked yeah. out. But it could be the place where uh, the devil enters the mortal realm. It could be the place where the uh, devil conceived his baby. Now, here's another thing, though. Okay. It is near Harper's Crossroads. Oh. And while it is in North Carolina, not Georgia, it is at a crossroads. So the devil could also be handing out contracts uh, it could be having uh, fiddle competitions. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. So, so it's kind of southern. Wait, um, what what part of the state is is it in? Did you do you happen to have a map? It's between uh, Raleigh and Charlotte, but not not dead in the middle. It's about three quarters of the way if you're going from Charlotte to Raleigh. So, so more or less, kind of kind of middle of the state. Really, kind of. I mean, it's it's hard to say the middle because it's such an elongated state, but. The meat of of North Carolina, it's right in the middle. Well, it sounds to me like it uh, might be in the dead zone right there. Uh, do they happen to have a basketball court uh, in this place? Because kind of kind of sounds. Oh, they might. To me Would you like, save it? Uh, save it. You should save it. You should save it if you want to burn it. I'm not. I'm not burning anything. I'm. Uh, I'm just saying the devil that's walking around there might be the old blue devil. Oh, that's true. Trying to scare that- kids because that's all they're good for. Well, they're also America's team. Nah. Wonder if there's any connection there, though. That is a good point. Let me take a look. Oh, so the uh, the name came up uh, in the in 1922, and they're actually named after they they trace their roots back to uh, a World War One French military unit known as uh, Les Diables Bleus. 
They were the the Blue Devils in the uh, let's see in the French Alps. Lame. Yeah, there you go. So that's yeah, they were based off a because uh, the, then then members of this unit that had like blue capes and stuff were trounced all through uh, the United States to help sell war bonds, and people were really impressed. Wow, can it get any lamer? The answer is no. Okay, uh, that's Devil's Tramping Ground. That's uh, that's all right. Let's see. How about let's just take a trip up the road here, a piece to Old House Woods. <laughs> yeah. The terrifyingly named <laughs> old old house woods. Look out, old house gonna get you. Uh, old house woods, Matthews County, Virginia, near the community of Diggs, holds a densely wooded area known as Old House Woods, named after a large colonial home that survived a few fires but couldn't survive them all. <laughs> Apparitions, ghosts, flickering lantern lights, dark shadows, and other phantom entities have been spotted in the old house woods for over two Hildo years. The area is rife with history, being a pre-revolutionary port which saw its fair share of native battles, soldiers dying, and more pirate activity than you can shake a parrot at. That is, don't shake a parrot. Don't do it. Unless you want the pirate. I don't like parrots. Local folklore includes sightings of ghost horses, spectral headless hellhounds, unexplained floating lights, orbs, and the ghosts of British and Spanish soldiers. And there's also a pirate ship that appears just before an unexpected storm sets in. <laughs> this is this is like a theme park. It is. It, it absolutely is. Uh, a white... Floating mist is a precursor to the lady in white, who appears a few seconds thereafter. Who is there to sign autographs? When running from her, footsteps can be heard as if she is chasing you, but when you turn around to look, she automatically disappears. Left in her absence is the overwhelming scent of roses and a feeling of foreboding. The 50-acre patch of woods and marshlands near the Chesapeake Bay contains some of the most bizarre and unusual paranormal phenomenon ever recorded. Some of the recurring tales are about mysterious groups of shovelers digging, which I think you can hear if you're alone there in the woods. But one of the most harrowing legends is of the time travel portal that has been rumored to take you back into other places from the past, once you have located and entered the secret spot. During the late 1700s and up to the mid-1800s, hunters, treasure seekers, and unsuspecting travelers who walked through the area where the old colonial house once stood in the woods were never seen again. Legend has it they walked directly into the portal and straight into another dimension, while a few of the old-timers think that the owner of the colonial killed the trespassers out of the fear of being robbed and hid the bodies with the evidence being destroyed in each of the past house fires. One story of a paranormal encounter came from a local resident, Jesse Hudgens, who by all accounts was a respected citizen and not apt to make up such lavish stories. One night in 1926, Jesse was driving his horse and buggy down Old House Woods Road when he noticed a strange unearthly light. He then realized that the light was actually a lantern being carried by a ghost dressed in a knight's armor. <laughs> which, which, let's be honest, is a real, really awful thing to be wearing in, in the swamps. Right. 
Upon further inspection, Jesse stared into the skeletal face peering back at him from inside of the metal armor protective head covering, also known as a helmet, for God's sake. (laughs) At this escalated moment of total chaos, ghosts and apparitions began to come from all directions out of the nearby woods. (laughs) Can, can, is that the name of your biography? The escalated moment of total chaos? (laughs) (laughs) It kind of went from zero to 60 there, I think. Right? Each and every one of them was carrying lanterns, with some holding shovels and stone weapons in their other hand. Fearing for his life, Jesse ran away from the eerie scene, only to pass out from the fear that was engulfing his body. Found later by friends, they carried him to bed, where he rested for several days. He retold the tale to his friends, who were skeptical of such shenanigans, believing that he was merely overly tired from a long day's work, followed by a rough buggy ride where he... Perhaps hit his head along the way. Jesse's story was confirmed many years later by a Virginia man who had car trouble on the haunted road near the woods. While leaning on the hood of his car, he heard a voice ask, Is this the king's highway? I've lost my ship. When the man turned to look, he was confronted by a skeleton carrying a lantern and dressed in armor. What?! That would be kind of the coolest ghost you could find, though. True. Like a polite skeleton in armor. Pardon me, good sir. <laughs> What's that like a duel? Yeah. With the dead? As he peered out from his in, in head encasement of metal and, and surrounding pr- protection. I, I feel like a, uh, a tire iron could do a pretty good piece of work on, on an old suit of armor. I feel like you could, sure. you could really f*** up a guy in armor with a tire iron. Yeah, you probably could. Or just get in your um your your metal encasement and uh and let the knight try and get you. Oh, that's true. Just talk shit. Just crack the window a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just keep asking the ghost if you're being detained. <laughs> I like that one. Well, what about this? How about we take a little trip down to our amazingly perfect bayou accents <laughs> down a man check swamp? Ballet Ponja Train, Moha. I like that it's even, turned Elvis. Just, yeah, I don't give a f. I am just like, I don't know. What's a noise that sounds to you like that? Go do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, and we've got great friends in Louisiana that we'll probably lose by the end of this segment. No way, man. No way. If we haven't yet, they, they are true friends. Y'all heard tell a man check swamp? Man check swamp. Down there on Lake Ponton Train? Sounds like somebody put their foot in it. That's what it sounds like. It doesn't smell like it or taste like it. It's what it sounds like. It sounds like somebody did that. Oh, man. Jesus. Uh, it is a typical weedy, stagnant, algae-choked neighborhood in... <laughs> lo- no, no, wait. Uh, it's a wetland on the northwest side of Lake Pontchartrain. Which is the home to the the usual grab bag of Louisiana fun animals, gators, snakes. Funimals. Funimals. Gigantic, (laughs) horrifying spiders, I'm sure. But deep within Manchek Swamp is an even darker, more dangerous animal. How about the Rougarou? Which, how has this not come up in Miss Cryptid? I I think it was on the docket. All right. Well, I'm saying right now. Yeah, I was saying right now it's still in... It's uh, this does not count as the Rougarou's covering. Okay. 
uh, which is, uh, you know, to boil it down, let's just call him a Cajun werewolf. Uh, mostly described as a hulking beast up to 10 feet tall with the hair-covered body of a human and the head of a wolf or dog because sometimes they're different. Sometimes it's a pug, just a <laughs> big pug-headed man. That, that would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that, that really would be. 10 foot like, tall the, pug. <laughs> he passes out because he can't breathe. Uh, it's got pale white fur, uh, prominent fangs, and red eyes that are said to glow, like all yep. bad things. Uh, some say it's a spectral apparition, which can appear and disappear, or even ship, uh, change shapes, like your bog standard lycanthropy. Uh, it is cursed that it has to be transferred to another person by drawing blood within 101 days. Uh, and that the only way for you to get clear of it is to pass it on. It's like the videotape from yeah. The Ring. Um, this is usually done by attacking somebody, or in some versions, all you got to do is make eye contact, real weird, meaningful eye contact. Uh, there are stories of people being confronted by a large, aggressive dog, and when they attacked it, it turned into a human. Um, sometimes lecturing them on exercising bad judgment. What? Well, like, like you, you shouldn't be uh, fighting things that are cursed by the devil, or like you're, you're, you might get this yourself. One day. But they were conf- if they're confronted by a large aggressive dog and then they defend themselves and the dog's like you shouldn't have done that. It's it's a catch twenty garoo. <laughs> Burned it. There have been tales of off orbs, uh, shadowy apparition, glowing from inside abandoned cabins, giant alligators, just th- th- your usual swamp terrors. Uh-huh. But uh, how about the famous tale of the Creole voodoo uh, priest, Julia Brown? Did we cover her? I feel like we did. In I'm the not sure. Episode. The name sounds familiar. I know there was Mary anyway, Laveau. Yeah. She was, uh, anyway, Julia Brown was a well-respected magic practitioner in the town of Frenier, Louisiana, in the late 1800s. Uh, and if someone got sick, they had two options. They could either make the journey to New Orleans, or they could take, uh, they could ask Julia for help. Uh, for her, let's say, non-traditional medicine. It wasn't uncommon for Julia to travel around to the other villages uh, performing rituals to help with children, uh, with, to help with you know, the usual wise woman things, uh, childbirth, fevers, illnesses, uh, and more often than not, whatever she did worked. By all accounts, whatever powers she did have uh, were absolutely legit. But then... As people always do, they started taking her for granted. Whoops a daisy, until she until she started getting real pissy off. Uh, until she started getting real pissy with the town. In 1915, uh, it's reported that she cursed the town of Frenier uh, by singing odd songs about taking the town with her when she died. Then, on the day she did die, a hurricane triggered a 30-foot tidal wave that killed most of the townsfolk, many of whom were actually at her funeral. So that's a dick move. They came out to pay respects to her, and then she killed them. I think they came out more out of fear and trying to appease her. You don't know that. You don't. You, you just made you that up. That. You literally just made that up. You 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 made that up. You just made that up. I know. I am Julia Brown. <laughs> oh man, I'm in trouble for all the balls. Oh, by the way, <laughs> two things you guys need to know about Flora's wedding. One, there was a pizza party. Two. It should have been canceled because 
they had the moment where, you know, after the receiving line where they, the guy announces, oh, the Mr. and Mrs. David Flora. And I was holding a curtain aside like a good best man. And Flora, with everyone looking and no one seeing this, he's like amazing, totally whapped me square in the balls. <laughs> it was brilliantly played. It was really well done. When I could breathe again, I was like, all right. Kids, the kid's got skills. This guy, he knows what he's doing. He's a really well-played dick whipping. The pizza had already been delivered in my defense. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I, but people hadn't eaten the pizza yet. Pizza party doesn't start till people start eating. I should have just taken all those boxes and throw them out the trash. <laughs> oh, it was glorious. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, let's see. Where were we? Oh, yeah, yeah. She cursed the town. Everybody died at the funeral. Flora made up a whole story where they were afraid and because he makes shit up. He'll, like, make her shit her upper. And legend has it that those who were attending her funeral were buried in a mass grave in the swamp right next to Julia Brown. And they still haunt the swamp. They say you can hear the screams of the hurricane victims to this day. Some say bodies will pop up from the muck of the swamp bottom from time to time. And Brown's spirit can be heard repeating her eerie chants she had sung before dying. Either way, the swamp is thought to be cursed, and the strange wailing and screaming heard on hot, hazy nights can send a chill through the bones, which is really appreciated because it's hot. So any chill is, is really worth having. Yep. So there you go. There's some Manchac Swamp. I, I think we've got some listeners who might be able to, to tell us more about that. Yeah. You know who you are. What, what song do you think she sings? Um... I don't know. From the sound of it, probably like some Springsteen, like, we got to get out of this town. Oh. All right. I got one more here for us. Okay. Hit me. This one you may have heard of. It's a big one. <laughs> this is the Hoya Bachu Forest. Called the world's most haunted forest, Hoya Bachu, or just Hoya Forest is a relatively small forest, about one square mile, located in Romania. Lots of articles like to say it's located in Transylvania, which it is because it's a historical region in Romania that is of considerable size. Near the city of Cluj-Napoca is a dark and dense forest with some twisted and misshapen trees, and it was so named after a shepherd that disappeared into it with a flock of 200 sheep. Known for intense paranormal activity and unexplained events, reports from the forest have included ghost sightings, unexplained apparitions, faces appearing in photographs that were not visible with the naked eye, and even UFO sightings. It first gained notoriety in the late 1960s when a biologist named Alexandru Sift snapped several photos of a flying disc-shaped object in the sky above the forest. However, locals have steered clear of the area out of fear for countless years. It's believed that those who visit the site will never return back home. Many of the locals who have been brave enough to venture into the forest complained of physical harm, including rashes, nausea, vomiting, migraines, burns, scratches, anxiety, and other unusual sensations. 
People who have entered the forest to this day get inexplicable rashes or they begin to feel very lightheaded and ill. Also, electronic devices are known to malfunction when taken into the area. Some report missing time, though none so famous as the five-year-old girl who wandered into the woods and got lost. The story goes that she emerged from the forest five years later, wearing the same clean clothes that she wore on the day she disappeared, with no memory of what had happened in that interval of time. So a five-year-old girl walks in, five years later she walks out. When was that? Uh, You know what, I didn't get the date on it. Sorry. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. So this is this a, more than being just a haunted forest. This is just a, a forest of fuck you. It's just a land-based yes. Bermuda Triangle. It, yes, they actually have called it uh, the, the Bermuda Triangle of Romania. Oh, haha, I'm brilliant. The most common phenomenon includes the sudden appearance of mysterious orbs of light. People also report hearing disembodied female voices breaking the heavy silence. Giggling and even apparitions. There are many cases of people reportedly being scratched. The woods are thought to be notoriously haunted by the Romanian peasants who were murdered there. It's believed that the souls of these tormented ghosts are trapped within the wooded confines of Hoya Bachu, and that these entities are enraged by their predicament. Visions of these tormented spirits are sometimes observed by terrified travelers. Pairs of haunting, observing green eyes and a heavy black fog have been observed there. Well, I can tell you right now, if you think that you're going to get get an explanation for a heavy black fog monster, you're not. (laughs) Zing! Many people report a feeling of being watched as they travel near the forest's edge. Some people think it all originates from a clearing in the forest that is a vegetation dead zone. This kind of sounds like the old tramping ground. It is a nearly perfect circle in the woods where nothing ever grows. Soil samples have been taken from the site and analyzed, but the results show that there is nothing in the soil that should prevent the growth of plant life. Photos taken here have revealed hovering shapes and outlines of human forms, further backing up the claims. With UFOs, a dead vegetation zone, lights with no logical source, poltergeist activity, EVP activity, and malfunctioning electronics, the paranormal activity is well documented, although I could only find the UFO photos and we all know who that goes. Right. There's a lot to debunk on this one, but it's Photober! Ha ha ha! So it's more fun to tell the spooky stories. But for some yeah. good tales on the forest, you, you guys should check out the Expanded Perspectives episode on it. They did one um, a couple months back. It's pretty good. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's just a cool, weird forest to begin with. Just just the fact that it's such an old, primeval forest. Yeah, lots of stuff going, going on with it. For a forest that sounds like it's not terribly huge, you know, part of the appeal of these forests or, or part of the mystique is a lot of times the the sheer size of them. You can go in there, you get lost because they're just so damn big. It could take days to get out from inside of one, but this one, this one sounds like it's uh, relatively manageable. Like I think they they said you could probably walk around it, the perimeter of it, in you know half a day or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting, and this one also brings uh, UFOs into the mix which a lot of the others don't. 
Yeah, and that's yeah, it kind of brings it into a a just a nexus of weird things. Uh, of if it's it's not just haunted, it's not just got boogie monsters in it. There's also there's probably some Pleiadians, maybe some reptilians running around in there. You know, like that's it's like all the grab bag things that you want to know about are all right there. Yeah, and missing time. Right, yeah, time slip. So that's that's pretty crazy. You can find the photographs of these UFOs online. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're decent, but I just I can't trust a photograph ever. Right. You just can't. Even though it was taken in the 60s. One thing I keep seeing are these pictures of these curved trees, and I'm I I can't find an explanation for them. Well, that's because there's not really one. It's a little confusing because there is a forest in Poland where the trees grow up about half a foot and then they grow sideways and then start curving up. Right. Oh, and that's that's not in this forest. They're just assuming it well, because this other forest is... That That's in Poland, but this one in Romania, I think I saw the same thing that you saw that you're seeing right now. It seems like some sites or some people are saying, yes, there is some growth like this in this forest. Yeah, and when I say I can't find any explanation, I mean like no descriptions of any of these photos. They're just all unattributed, uh, but when you look up uh, Hoya Baiku, like all these pictures come up. So I, I can't find anything that really says, oh, yeah, and you'll find these these weird trees there. Yeah, and some of the sites for Hoya Bashu will show you pictures of the Polish forest. That's confusing. Yeah. So I, I didn't put that in there because I was uh, I was confused and I ran out of time. But now here's a here's a, no a one fun fact is that this forest does fall within the territory that was Transylvania. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of uh, articles will try to tie it into to the old Dracula uh, history and some kind of connection, although they never do any connecting. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's which is which is hilarious. Of all the things, that one doesn't show up. <laughs> it's weird that, uh, in a way, it sounds like some kind of radiation with the the things that people say they experience. To me, that uh, sounds sounds a little like radiation. Hmm. What do you What do you think? I rashes, dizziness. I would say. What else is there? What else do I say? I would say if it's a dense forest, pollen would do the same exact thing. I figure, I feel, especially, you know, in Eastern Europe, if there was a, a, a latent radiation there, the people would be aware of it. But uh, I, I think I would say pollen, you know, like they, and they, have, they say things like, oh, you'll get scratches. I'm like, well, if you're going through dense woods. That's a very, yep, yep. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and even. Burns. Yeah. And I don't, I don't. Nausea, vomiting. I don't know if they get, you know, if they have uh, poison ivy or poison oak, poison sumac. Uh, or any similar type thing, but those those sort of reactions you don't even have to actually physically contact the plant to get. Um, you can, you know, if you're burning, uh, for example, oh, yeah. poison ivy, and you're in, if you, the smoke goes over you, you'll get it. Uh, even a wind blowing down a hill will carry that reaction to you. So, you know, I, I I'd say there's a a lot of ways to get what they're describing, especially in an old growth forest. Hmm. What do you think would account for a circle uh, where where nothing really grows? Fungus? Um, you know what? There's a. I did read a good paper about this maybe a year, year and a half ago about fairy circles and things like that. Yeah. And what they believe is is that it is 
the circle is created by nitrogen depletion, available nitrogen in the soil or nutrients in the soil, and it just works its way out in a circle. You know, the, the plants uh, are working further and further out and just eating up all of the nutrients that they require as they go and nothing's growing in behind it. Um, and, and again, if uh, I can see how this could become in most, you know, uh, in a, a healthy forest, leaf litter or, or animals in the trees, you know, poop or just dropping things kind of help replenish the soil in those areas. But if you have an area without uh, sturdy trees and this starts, it's almost like a, uh, a cancer. It, it starts in an area, cl- makes a clearing. It makes it harder for that soil to replenish. And then that moves further out and further out. Mm. And, um, mm. I don't know. I mean, that was their, that was their explanation for, uh, fairy rings or toadstool rings or things like that. Um, I know that the, there's some listings for the ones in that forest as well. Yeah. Mm. Cause uh, I know that in, in nature, nitrogen fixing is always a, a, a big problem, which is why most of our our fertilizers are nitrogenous in 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 nature. Nit- nitrogen, 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 nitrogen. The Nature Boy on Monday Nitro. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Uh, we obviously had to include Hoya in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I it, it it's possible it could stand on its own. I think for uh for an episode. Oh yeah, but there's a lot of rocks to flip over there. Yeah, but um, you know, maybe maybe in the future. Who knows? Who's to say? But uh, that that's going to wrap it up for us for Haunted Forest. So haunted, so forest, so long. <laughs> now, <laughs> what what we've decided, because we have uh, a list with several more haunted forests, we're going to put those extra forests into an extra-sode yeah. for our Patreon uh, backers. Uh, who who pledge five dollars or more? Even more terrifying forests. So that'll give you you know something to look forward to for the old Patreon and uh, give us some more cool forests to look into. How about it? Yeah, but I f- I feel a little lost right now. I don't feel like my compass is working, and I I can't remember which way uh, like how we got here. And everywhere I turn, it all just kind of looks the same, and it's kind of spooky. And I just. Well, I I feel like I'm lost in a in a forest of bad jokes. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what what you need is a sign, maybe attached to a tree or pounded into the ground that says, "Head this way for." <gasps> oh man, we got there's a lot of this is fertile pun ground, is what this is. Very much. There's no nitrogen loss in this one. Yeah. You, me, you, me, me, you, you, me. What do you think? Uh, how about you go first? Oh, okay. Because I am a tough guy. You little shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know there was a forest in California where unexplained nuts fall from trees? And people, what? Yeah, people complain of having a roasted salty taste in their mouths upon leaving. I love it already. It's the Sequoia Cashew Forest. Nice. I like that. Those are those nuts are falling from a pretty big height. Yeah, can kill you. <laughs> you know there is a um, forest in England. It's a particularly dense wooded area that uh, it's just full of brambles. Everyone who goes into it bitterly resent it. It's uh, bordered on one side by the <laughs> river, and uh, to the to the south there's the cliffs of Wanker, uh, and the whole area is, well, I mean, 
it in all the old maps it's called the fucking forest but obviously for reasons you know they had to change it so now it's just the effing forest oh i see <laughs> that's funny because that it sounds like it's right next to uh this other dense woodland in england where highwaymen and survivalists like to retreat to oh yeah either robbing yeah they either rob people there or they assemble their bug out bags it's prepping forest uh, <laughs> nice well you know in one of the uh gnostic gospels that was not included in the Council of Nicaea, there's actually an entire book that just tells the story of the devil. And uh, it turns out that he spent a lot of time traveling with some people, and he would move with them, and it was sort of a traveling show. And, and he would actually, the devil himself, would dance for the money they'd throw. And, <laughs> um, and you know, the other people in the, in the, in the, the caravan, they'd do whatever they could. Yeah. You know, sometimes they'd... they'd preach some Gnostic gospel. Okay. Sell a couple bottles of Dr. Good. It was the, uh, the place where they did all this was the devil's tramps and thieves ground. <laughs> We'd hear it from the people of the town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every night the devil would come around and he would trap the ground <laughs> and they would have a wedding. <laughs> I did throw a dev- uh, gypsies, tramps and thieves bit yeah. into the wedding. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I, I wish, that, you know what? Maybe we should have just recorded the ceremony, uh, just so that people could hear all the. There's actually a fair number of blurry photos, deep cuts, kind of hidden sporadically throughout. That. Well, them's puns. Yeah, them's puns. And the only thing more haunted than a suicide forest is your letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's time to get lost in the dense undergrowth yes. of. All right, we're kicking this off with an email from Lex. Lex writes, hello, Daves. Hi, Lex. Now you're as filthy as I am. She's removed your D. (laughs) Just wanted to let you know that after nearly a year of badgering, my normally podcast-averse boyfriend finally gave your show a shot and fell in love. Technically, it says felt in love, but I feel like it was fell. Uh, The Elisa Lamb episode kept him from sleeping. He was so scared, but he's hooked. I figured you would like to hear that, and that's very true, because we love it when one bereaver converts another. <laughs> um, and also a pun. Oh. Who's, the mystical, who's the mythical snake god foretold by prophecy? Is it Shaft? <laughs> who's the mythical snake god foretold by prophecy? <laughs> It'll Shaft. <laughs> to, <laughs> to introduce the Aztec people to delicious gooey cheese. Who's it? Oh, that would be... Queso caudal, of course. Oh, <laughs> Delicious. Thanks, Lex. Thank you, Lex. Dave, we've heard from Sandhill Craig. Oh. He says, pardon-moi, messieurs. On listening to the beginning of your latest episode, I heard these words. The amount of cheese was enormous. It was like the size of a stick of butter. Fried. I was like, under normal circumstances, no one just eats that much cheese. I heard these words while I was in the bathtub. I was eating a big bowl of cheese, not fried, but it had lots of hot sauce on it, just gnawing on big slabs of cheddar. It was 90 degrees, and we don't have air conditioning, and I had skipped lunch at work and was in a hot <laughs> bath with my cheese. So there. 
fucking love this. So there, you ignorant bastard. It can be done. Now, you know, it's funny. I just had a, a conversation two days ago about this exact same thing, about the giant cheese on a stick scenario. And the thing was this. It was that, like, it wasn't the chi- the cheese was too big to even be appropriately heated by the oil. So it was just like this kind of rubbery, oily block of cheese that no one would want. Now, a bowl of cheese with hot sauce on it, I'm not saying I've done that, but I respect you. <laughs> and you're just sitting in a bath chasing your truth the way you see it. And I've, that's, f-ing, that's the most American thing I've ever heard. And I don't care what country you're from. That's amazing. <laughs> I respect the shit out of that. Awesome. Thank you, yeah, Sandhill Craig. <laughs> I think we stand corrected. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I will happily exp- uh, accept that. I've got a real quick one here from Echidna Duck. Echidna Duck writes, Dear Stecco, you nailed the Mr. Kite joke. Have no fear. Woo! Well, well, Beatles well. fans unite. <laughs> Thank you, Echidna Duck. That was in the Rendlesham Forest. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. If we've heard from Thomas <laughs> Baguette. <laughs> Baguette. Bonjour, my name is Thomas. I'm a French listener to your show. <laughs> Bonjour, Thomas. Ça va? <laughs> uh, the first episode I held was the one with the gooch. Oh, because... <laughs> it's a beginning sketch. <laughs> I didn't know what the f*** I was listening to, but I'm a fan of that. <laughs> oh. Should I stop? I, I should probably stop, right? <laughs> I hope he's going to stay a fan after <laughs> yeah. this. Thomas makes a suggestion, says, thanks for all your work, all the love. Thank you, Tomas. To- uh, probably Tomas, right? Sure. At, at this point? <laughs> yeah, why not? We'll give it a shot. Is, is, uh, if we're is, wrong, he'll let us know. Is French Tomas uh, or, or still just Thomas? Either way. Uh, thank you, Monsieur Baguette. Uh, <laughs> that's, I, I'm glad we have a French listener. I feel like France uh, doesn't get a lot of blurry photos. Yeah, more more France. More France, please. I, I demand it. We got one from the Viscount Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> says, David and Dave. Ooh, top billing to you, good sir. Uh-huh. Uh, I recently discovered your podcast through, <laughs> through Improvised Star Trek and the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Oh, uh, yes. the system works. Yes. After listening to a few of your more recent episodes, I came to the conclusion that your podcast is exactly what I'm looking for, a rational, skeptical outlook on fringe topics that doesn't simply dismiss the possibility of a weird world and doesn't look down on those who choose to believe. And while I admit you had me grumbling about getting to the point and spending less time joking through the first episode or two, you're welcome. (laughs) Your style of humor very quickly grew on me. Perfect. We are like a disease. You got to get through the fever stage and then you're just a carrier. Right. Um, once I got that out of the way, I decided I would listen to your entire back catalog in order, uh, starting from as far back as iTunes went. However, this leaves me in a difficult position. I know what you're gonna, what you think he's gonna say, Flora. So Uh-oh. I'll just put it out there right now. Blurryphotos.org has the entire back catalog, back to episode one, Alistair Crowley or Crowley, as I like to call him. So you can always go there and get the entire back catalog. And we are working on an alternative means of getting that to you. I know that the website uh, archive is sometimes difficult, you know, if you just want to have it in your phone feed and things like that. So bear with us. We're actually working on a, on a better way to get that back catalog to you. Yeah. Uh, Back to the email. Sorry, go ahead. Might be put on the back burner once we figure out the, uh, the new uh, email (laughs) Email server system. Yeah. It's like 
that to hell. We are having some problems with our email. <laughs> they just, um, you know, how how people have to change things and update yeah. the, the interface. Instead of waiting to write in once I have caught up, I have instead decided to write you letters as I move through the archive as if they are still relevant, which I'm totally cool with. You write it. You everyone should write to us when they hear about something. Yeah, which sure. is great because sometimes we have excellent answers, and sometimes we're like, "Yes, that is a problem we ignored and shall continue to." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this uh, this spoilers this uh, email does fall into the excellent answers category. Okay. Uh, my first such misses, uh, missive is of a more complaint. Really, I've just listened to your hundredth episode, and I must say I was very very disappointed. No, no complaints, please. <laughs> too late. It's too late. It's too late. This this rocket's launched. Not with the chrononauts. I will admit to finding. I will admit to finding little to fault with them. Rather, it was the distinct lack of gotta find King Arthur character oh, no. from the MIB episode in either the episode on the Holy Grail or even the King Arthur himself. While I admit that he is a minor character with a rather one note shtick. A description shared by most serial ma- mascots, I admit. His absurd single-minded drive made him instantly <laughs> memorable and entertaining. I sat through both episodes with bated breath, waiting for his appearance, only to come away disappointed. Oh. What a criminal waste of an opportunity. I don't know if such a thing is uh, a penalty box worthy, but I thought I would register my stern disapproval nonetheless. Well, good news. You were right. And yes, we did go to the penalty box for it. Did we? Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. Oh. Because it was it was a crime not to have the gotta find King Arthur guy in there. <laughs> yeah, it was a criminal waste. Of course, because of the nature of the system, I have no idea if uh, this character even appears again or whether listeners stood up for our friend from New Jersey. Yes, they did. Um, and it will be rectified in future episodes because I did like that guy. He was a, He was a ton of fun. Yeah. Don't think I am done with my time-delayed critiques of your podcast. The first time I listened to the Chrononauts episode, I was for the most part impressed with the production values, but I did hear one sound effect that was so terrible that it almost ruined the whole episode. Such was the impact of this sound that I was so shocked that I could not remember what it was or when in the episode that it happened. I've decided to listen to the episode again and again until I find it. For the one who finds the Foley fail will achieve eternal gripe. <laughs> oh, Nice! I liked how he slipped that knife in there. Oh, uh, uh, thanks, Vicount Chocula. <laughs> Flora, have you been able to chisel another email off the giant frozen lump we found at the back of this server? I don't think so. I think we're going to have to take a knee and, and, and drop another game plan on this one. Jeez. Louise. Okay. Well, that, that's a we little could, bit. Sh- I, wish, <laughs> I wish you guys cared. <laughs> so we could explain to you what the hell we're seeing and how, how bad it is. How. Yeah, oh, we really it, it to to extract an email from this new format is extraordinarily hard. So we those those are the ones we were able to chip out of the ice chunk. Uh, we're going to dethaw the rest of it, and we'll have more uh, listener mail next time. Yeah. Uh, in the meanwhile, while we're chipping away, uh, feel free to check out the other podcasts as mentioned from the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Check them out. It's it's our wonderful ragtag band of of spaceships flying through the digital seas trying to stay away from the Cylons. I don't know what the Cylons are in this this scenario. Just sh- stop. Just leave me alone, okay? <laughs> how's, that for, how's that for an endorsement? Doing great. Can I? Uh, 
This episode brought to you by Squarespace. Just leave me alone, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash blurry photos if you want to support us on the reg. You get yourself free episodes every month. Uh, I mean, anything you could really want. You want uh, ringtones and sound effects? Boom, Patreon. You want uh, best of intro music? Patreon. You want best of intro sketches? Patreon. You want a minifig? Patreon. You want to call in and have a section of Bullstone called Bullphone that's all yours? Patreon. Do you want your very own Sandhill Crane Detection Kit? <laughs> Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we got a, we got a ton of fun things going on there. Uh, if the, if, if the monthly thing is not your jam, feel free to karate chop the donate button. We're cool with that too. Yeah. Or head over to, uh, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Get yourself a free audio book. Give us a monetary high five. Uh, Facebook. You can always like us. Twitter. You can always follow us. Blurry underscore photos. Uh, YouTube. You can always subscribe to us. Here's a big thing. Uh, if you're on iTunes or any of those podcast play apps, uh, please subscribe to us on there. If if you if you don't mind, <laughs> that uh, that helps with our numbers and and to see how many people are listening and how many downloads we're getting and uh, and and how much love is out there in the world for blurry photos. Yeah. Of note, we are going to be at the Milwaukee Paracon in just one short week. Yes. Uh, October 15th and 16th, we will be hawking our wares on the vendor floor at the Paracon. Uh, We've got an hour on Saturday, around two or three, I think it is, to actually do something. We can record, but we'll be shouting at at people on on the floor live. Uh, We still have to figure that out, but it will be there. So we'd love to see you there. Come, um, We're going to try and get some more t-shirts done up uh, or, or restocked at least or something um, might have some new little, little shiggles to, to sell. I know yeah, yeah. I've, I've at least gotten some things pop up in the email that says, Hey, these are shipping. So cool stuff in the works, some sales that we've taken advantage of. And we'll tell you about those when they get here. If you get a VIP bag, then you get uh, a magnet, a sticker and a bookmark included mm-hmm. in there from us now that wedding times uh extravaganza is over we can start focusing on the old country music album which we uh, uh have to Dude, put together. i think i'll tell you what i think that we should establish that we're working on it and we should never mention it again until it's ready to go yeah we maybe working on it and that way it's not a thing that we keep talking about <laughs> yeah well uh, other i i think that uh, uh we we could sit here and talk about some more things but we'll do that in, uh, in the live stream <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll suss it all out figure that out on on the patreon live stream but uh yes photober has started it's the most wonderful time of it year is. flora how fun is blurry photober well i would say it's as fun as <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love that uh, oh. that's what we got. Uh, we'll, we'll let you go for now. Good stuff coming up for the rest of the month, including your, your favorite ghost story episode. Yeah. And that'll do it right now for us for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been the decapitated doll, David Flora. <laughs> and I have been Dave Dark Entry Stecco. 
<laughs> I remember one time my wife Dolores and I were being chased through my dreams by a psychopathic eye. without the question what's your question um so wait what if what if we see a a, a bear uh kill it next question yeah yeah you, you kill it are you are you guys honestly more worried about bears than people with chainsaws you do drugs you're as good as dead everybody the minute you start touching mary jane you're you're going in the ground just the same that'd be ridiculous how on earth would we be the only would we be would we be the ones responsible for killing all you? All we have is a perfect encyclopedic knowledge of these woods and an endless supply of children being sent by their uncaring parents to see us. Mary Jane came around when I was twelve. Her bosoms were small but firm. I shot her. <laughs> I touched her tits and killed her. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want this to run too late. I want to get you guys to get a good night's sleep tonight. I want you to get back to your cabins. A couple of things I want you to do before you go to bed tonight. If any of you know any stories about how haunted these woods are, about whatever witches might be living far back in the woods, make sure to tell everyone else in your cabin tonight. I want all that information to get out there. Uh, I'd also like a couple of you to go off by yourselves, maybe to the bathroom, maybe to meet a boy or girl. Try to really trickle out over the course of the evening. Uh, anyone who hears anything, stay in your bunks, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. Shinkstank, what do you got for him? Don't be alarmed if you see an older man staring in through the window whilst you sleep. Most likely it's just one of us checking in on you throughout the night. Or perhaps the homicidal maniac that has escaped from the nearby mental asylum. Yeah, Shinkstank really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, yeah, I suppose it could be one of us just checking in to make sure things fine. But i got to tell you right now, we don't leave our rooms either. Uh, if you see somebody skulking we out there, they have murderous... We would be to leave our rooms in the middle of the night in this incredibly haunted and dangerous forest. Damn stupid. Damn we stupid. We would be damn stupid, you little shits.